Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to the show today. Today marks episode number seven here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest today is Jeremy Harrell. Jeremy Harrell is a founder of the Veterans Club in Kentucky. Jeremy's program is a resource that provides equine therapy services to veterans in the Louisville area. Jeremy has an amazing story and a heart of gold. His idea of the Veterans Club started on a napkin about a year ago with a small group of friends. In less than a year's time, the program has now grown to over 800 veterans served. In this episode, Jeremy shares a little bit about his past, the growth and development of the Veterans Club, and his plans for the program in the future. Now, should you find the content of this podcast valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Jeremy Harrell. Jeremy Harrell, how the heck are you doing this morning? Doing good, brother. How are you? Good, good, good. Well, first and foremost, before we get rolling, I just wanted to thank you for making time for Let Freedom Reign and all of our guests. Um, We're very, very honored to have you, and hopefully we can learn a little bit from your testimony today. Sounds good. What's new out there in Kentucky? Oh, man, just uh, just plugging away with these horses, dealing with this this hot and humid weather, and hopefully uh, getting a cool down here soon. Yeah, as I say, things are starting to cool off for us out here, and obviously we don't deal with no humidity hardly at all, so... uh, California's a little, a little bit, about yeah, that. I was gonna say California's pretty good as far <laughs> as the weather goes. Now we got plenty of other issues, but the weather is pretty good. Before we get too deep into your story here, I just want folks to kind of understand who you are and where you're coming from, and if you don't mind sharing maybe a little bit of your background. Okay, uh, I'm from uh, grew up in Kentucky, um, uh, Louisville area. My most of my life, uh, traveled around a little bit with my parents. Did a little bit, you know, lived a little bit in Florida and South Carolina and Maryland, but primarily uh, the great state of Kentucky. Uh, currently live a little bit outside of Louisville in a town called Shelbyville. It's a little small town, but it's a it's a horse town. And uh, just raising a family here. I got a wife and four kids trying to help some veterans uh, along the way. Man, that's awesome. It's good stuff. I know we talked earlier about your kind of experience and stuff like that as far as um, being combat deployed and stuff like that. Will you talk about your military service a little bit for us? Yeah, so I joined the Army uh, back in 99 and uh, served until 2008 where I, I got out, medically retired. I went to Iraq during the initial invasion of 0304. spent 15 months there, you know, just like most deployments. Uh, not a good time, but it was, uh, it was important to uh, go do what I trained to do and and served with the, the folks that I served with and, and learned a lot about life uh, during the deployment and how fragile it was and how quick it can be taken from you, but also how, how powerful God can be in those circumstances. It, it forced me to rely on, on God more instead of my own um, understanding because, you know, we're all highly trained folks. We all know our jobs in and out. We, we train repetitiously on those things, but it's not our training that gets us through. It's, it's in my opinion, it's, uh, it's God. And so I uh, got back from that deployment, stayed in the Army. Again, like I said, to four more years, got out and felt uh, like I lost my mission. 
was about to go back in, uh, went to a recruiting office with my wife, who was then pregnant with my son. I was about to try to get back in the Army, and, and they told me, hey, you know, it won't be long after you do this that you'll have to leave again. And so my wife kind of had a breakdown in there uh, in the recruiting office. And so I felt like I should be less selfish, and I felt like I should do what's best for my family. And, and currently that wasn't what was best for my family. Um, so after that, started – you know, going back to work, uh, was an operations manager, UPS in Louisville. Also moved to Eastern Kentucky and worked at, uh, a logistics company called TLC. And, and I had a, uh, Marine boss who, uh, would contact me, uh, throughout the day and say, Jeremy, how you doing? How you doing? I didn't understand why he was asking me these things. And so one day he just said, Hey, I, I really like to talk to you privately. I didn't think anything was wrong. I just thought we were just going to talk about the operation office and he's like I just want to be honest with you You know I'm a marine veteran and he's like I see that you're struggling with with your cognitive abilities your ability to continue to to be focused here at work and organizational and your employees are saying you're unapproachable and and just different things and he's like I think I think you should probably go to VA and uh and uh, see someone and I was like uh I don't know about that man I think I'm just tired you know just ain't getting enough sleep which was a ended up being a product of the reason I needed to yeah, go. Yeah, I was going to say, that and could so, definitely be a catalyst in all of it. Yeah, yeah. And so so I did that. I just remember uh, going there and they did all these evaluations and they're hitting me with all these things. Post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm like, what? You know, like, what What do you, what? what's this mean? You know, and and uh, traumatic brain injury and depression and all these things. And I'm like, so, so what do I do now? Right. And so I ended up not going back to work there. They ended up, you know, considering me 100% service disabled uh, for uh, PTSD and, and TBI. And at that time, I was 29 years old, and I was totally lost, man. Like, what do I do now? Like, I'm 29, you know? Uh, yeah, you're just getting I'm, rolling. Yeah, you know, and I was very ambitious. You know, I was very successful through God, both in the military and in my, you know, career. Uh, in management, you know, some big companies and I was on my way and I, I was, you know, all of a sudden just the brakes got stopped on me and I was like, Hey, you know, like, I'm not ready for this. Like, I got stuff to do. And, and so I fell into a, a deep depression for about to where I, I hardly interacted with anybody. I got divorced uh, from my wife and just was just really, really lost. Started to drink a lot, tried to, tried to, felt like I was trying to get myself into, you know, like fighting situations in mm-hmm. an effort to get that, in an effort to get that adrenaline rush again. Yeah. It's like I missed the adrenaline and I felt, and, and because I felt like everything was stripped from me, I felt like I had nothing to lose. So I did that. And just as we're going through that, you know, just going through a, a ton of emotions and, and, you know, I had, had a son who is now nine, a daughter who is now 16, realized that, Hey man, you have to come out of this. Like you have to come out of this because you have children to raise. You got to find a different mission. And I knew I had to find, and, and I think that's a thing with veterans. Um, we, we need missions. We need things to do. Like a, a, the devil works on an idle mind. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm gonna, I am I want to do something to help veterans. I want to do something to where I can feel like I'm back in it in a sense to where I can interact with military minds and so this was just an idea for several years. And then uh, I'm with my current wife before we got married, a couple months before we got married, this was last September. 
she's like, hey, Jeremy, because she grew up with horses. Um, she grew up with horses and, and did dressage and shown horses. And she actually ponied at Churchill Downs and, and all that good stuff. And she, she just one day, she's like, hey, Jeremy, I think, I think horses would help you. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like yeah, going what to God's the tra- green earth are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Like going to the to the track and, and betting horses? Because that's all I at that point, <laughs> that's all I knew about drinking horses. and like, fighting, gambling. Yeah, that's the life. <laughs> that's it, man. And so I'm like, and she goes, No, Jeremy. Like I think I think you know being around horses would help you. And I'm like, Man, I don't know, but you know, it's it's my wife, and and I'm I've been divorced before, and so I'm trying to do this the right way. You know, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. And so. I'm like, if, if you think it will, I'll give it a shot. And so I reached out to this uh, organization in Kansas called War Horses for Veterans. And what's funny is I, he, uh, Patrick, the guy who runs that, calls me and he goes, hey, listen, man, um, we have a cancellation and we can get you out this weekend. And I'm like, man, that's two days from now. You know, like it's all started, just it just started rolling. And so I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll come out. And so the whole trip there, you know, I'm not a big, I don't like flying really. Uh, I do it, but it's just not comfortable for me. So, but we, we, I flew out there, landed in, you know, in Kansas and, and uh, we're heading out to the farm and, and I'm like, man, I hope this, this really makes her happy. Like that was my thought. Like, I hope this really makes her happy. I had no idea what it was going to do for yeah, me. Yeah, what well, you're so, about to step off into. Absolutely, man. And so we get out to the farm and I step out of the vehicle and, and first and foremost, just the serenity of being out there. And, and essentially the middle of nowhere, it was just quiet. It was just that, that sense of calm that I'm sure you understand being out where you're at. And, uh, and it was just, there was no noise. And so I was like, well, this is, this is kind of cool, but it was, it was a little uncomfortable in the sense that, um, it's so foreign for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like to, for my brain to be slow in that way. And for me not to, have, cause quiet for me has always been a bad thing. And so anyway, so we, we get out of the vehicle and we're kind of getting shown around and, and, uh, we go into the barn, man, and, and uh, he's like, hey, let's grab this horse. Let's start start doing some grooming. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you want me You want me to grab the horse? You know, he's like, yeah. Yeah, man. He's like, yeah, man, grab the horse. Here. Here's the halter and the lead. And, and show me how to do that initially. And, uh, yeah, so we grabbed the horse, got to the, got it, you know, in cross ties, and I started brushing. And I tell you, it was in that moment, brushing this horse, that I didn't think about a single thing in my life except – focused on this horse and every stroke of that brush and i know this sounds maybe may sound a little crazy but every stroke of this brush i just was losing more and more of that burden more and more of that burden that was on my shoulders and in my mind was just leaving just as just as the 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 hair was falling off the horse you know and so we did that and and and, uh you know of course they they teach a basic horsemanship out there and and i did some round pin work and i think that was the uh i think that was the highlight of my trip uh, being in the round pen because initially I was nervous man I, I had a lot of fear because I'm like I'm pretty close to this horse you know and you, and you want me to get him to do what now like to exactly run, to, to, to run around me and so and so but what I realized is that uh, it forces you in that round pen and it's it's it, and I apply it today to what I do out here in Kentucky I've had a lot of a lot of interesting things happen in the round pen because I think it forces you to be authentic right in that moment because if you want, you know, you know as well as I do, if you want that horse to work, you got to have a connection. You got to have that bond and that trust between you and the horse. And in order to do that, you got to kind of clear all the, the negative vibe out that you're putting out, you know, because as you know, horses are very intuitive. Yeah. And they can, they can sense that. And so it forced me at that moment to go, all right, Jeremy, if I want this, 
forced to work for me, I have to let go of whatever it is that's 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 making me apprehensive. And so it was it was interesting because it felt so good to go, all right, there's no reason to be anxious out here. Like we're out here, nobody's around, you know? There's Just no shake worries. it all, yeah. Yeah, man. And so anyway, I ended up working through that that stress of being in the round pen and that stress of flying there and that stress of trying to keep, you know, follow suit and what my wife wanted to do. And I, and I just really dug in this connection with me and the horse. And, and so we ended up doing real well on the round pen and uh, got out and uh, finished up the weekend there, uh, flew back, told my wife all about it, super excited, told her, thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, exposing you to me, it. Yeah. Yeah. Asking me to do that. And uh, I had no idea <laughs> how much it would affect me. And so I went on to a, a different program in October, which was sort of the same but different. It was a PTSD program up in New York. And while I was up there, Patrick called and he goes, hey, man, would you uh, would you come out and do an interview for the Today Show from Megan Kelly? And I was like, yeah, I can, I can do that. I mean, I've only been out there one time, you know. Yeah. But hey, if, if, he goes, well, you speak well. He goes, you're, you know, and, and, you, and you're in tune with what we do and you're just kind of natural at this stuff. And I was like, sure, man out there and, and do that for them and, and talked a little bit about what I was trying to do here back home. And I need to back up one second. I need to back up to when I was in New York, when we were at that program, we were staying at a church camp out in Warwick, New York. So upstate New York, outside of New York City, where they had a little chapel there. And I remember going into that chapel, you know, I've prayed most of my life about, about different things and, and thought that my, my walk with God was, was pretty, pretty on par. Um, I, I later found out it, it wasn't exactly where it needed to be, but I intently prayed and this prayer lasted about 30 minutes, you know, and I'm just praying for God, like, God, come on, you know, like I, I need, I need a mission. Please use me for something in your kingdom that I can do that will benefit those who serve you. Like use me. I, I essentially demanded in the most respectable way possible for God to use me. Like, Come on, I'm you know I'm 35 years old, you know let's go like yeah, I'm ready. put me to work. I'm ready. Yeah, and so 30 minutes later, <laughs> I walk out of that chapel. I'm hoarse from screaming, tears coming down, kind of thing, and and I didn't think no more of it. And then it was three days after that that I got that call from Patrick and and uh, flew out to do that interview. And so I did that interview and, and come back, and I was you know telling my wife I'm like I got to do something here like. That's cool that that's out in Kansas, but why don't we have something like that in Kentucky? I mean, this is arguably the horse capital of the world, yeah. you know. And uh, she's like, she's like, yeah, no, you know, that, that would be good. And and so I called Patrick, and I'm like, hey man, what do you think about me trying to do the same sort of thing, but my own spin on it? I said, you know, I'll I'll do the basics, and then I'll send them to you, and you can teach them the advanced stuff, you know, because I'm still early in my my walk with horses, you know, and so. He's like, yeah, I think you should do it. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a perfectionist and I don't really have it all laid out yet. And I remember him going, man, if you wait until you have it all laid out, it'll it's never gone. get done. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, and so I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You know? And so I had the idea, this was back in November of last year, 2017. I had the idea that I'd get nine or 10 folks together, you know, and meet every, every month and, and then try to find some horses and do all that kind of stuff. And I mean, here we are now. You know, in, in, in September, we have 811 veterans in my organization. Jesus. Uh, yeah, man, I, I manage two horse farms, a county I live in and the county next to it. 
and we have we have equine sessions two Saturdays a month. We spend all day out there. Uh, the guys come out. We provide lunch for them because I always thought it was symbolic in service that we ate together. You know, yeah. that was kind of the yeah. time where we were joking, cutting up, just kind of unwinding. Yeah, you know, and so so we have you know awesome donors who who donate food uh, to, that, for the veterans who are out there, and, and I do some subtle therapy stuff, you know. And and when I did the interview for Fox News, it was like. I wanted to tell him that the horse was the clinician, you know? <laughs> oh, it's but, true. Uh, People always ask me all the time, you know, how'd you learn this? And, and what are your resources? And, and I have horsemanship mentors, obviously, because I only got so many days on this earth and, and I got right. kind of a late jump on it. But I tell people, man, the horse is what taught me all this stuff. Yeah. You know, you just, you as a human being have to find it in yourself to be willing to learn and, and to be, to be willing to listen to the horse. Cause oftentimes we think it's our way and, how many people have you heard in your time, right? Well, this stupid horse or this horse can't figure <laughs> nothing out. And it's like, yeah, you might want to look in the mirror on that one. Yeah, yeah, for you know? sure. So, yeah, so we did, you know, we did that interview. That was finally an acceptable answer. But when guys, when I say guys, it's open to any veteran, male or female, uh, combat vet, non-combat vet, just anybody who I think we could, if you ask me in my biased opinion, I think we could all benefit from being around horses. I think, we should all have one at least, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> but that's just me. But I agree. <laughs> Most <laughs> so, definitely. So we, um, so yeah, we have the, you know, we have the folks out there and uh, we just do basic horsemanship. You know, I, I let them go catch the horse out of the pasture. And it's funny. It's funny how a person kind of ends up with a horse that kind of better suits them. I've noticed that since doing this is like, they kind of intuitively pick the horse that kind of relates to them in a certain way, you know, because, a lot of people don't understand that horses have personalities just like we do, Yeah, you know, most definitely uh, introverted, extroverted, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so they go catch the horse and bring them in, clean them up. And, and, uh, we do some round pin work. Uh, I let them spend some time about 10 minutes with the horse, just in a, in a side paddock and, and just want them to, you know, I just tell them, Hey, you know, go talk to the horse. Just exist. You know? Yeah. Be yeah. with them. Yeah. I'm like, tell them anything you, I said, they're great listeners. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're great listeners go out there and, and just unload whatever you need to get off your chest and, and let it go right here today in this paddock, you know, because I want them to kind of have a clear mind when it's about time to ride and all that good stuff. And how powerful is that? Because I mean, so many guys, uh, guys and girls, right? People put in this yep. scenario, they hold on to stuff and just the simple fact of verbalizing it, right? Getting it off your chest oftentimes help, but people are so apprehensive to do so. Because when you're doing that to another human being, what are you going to get in return? You're going to get some form of judgment. And as silly as it sounds, right, spilling this on a horse, horse ain't going to judge you for nothing. But the human that's being's right. getting the benefit of getting it off their chest. Exactly. Exactly. And, that, and, that's, and what you just said right there is exactly why I want them to spend a little quiet time. No, it's extremely effective. Have. So we, like I said, we do that, and then we get in the round pen. And um, quick story, this last session, I had a uh, retired colonel, infantry colonel, that was in the round pen and um, he's working with one of the kind of laid back horses that we deal with. And uh, initially he wasn't, he wasn't able to get the horse to start moving in the round pen and he starts trying to crank the crank the stick and all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah. uh, I always, always teach less is more, you know, use the least amount of you know force possible to get them to work and that kind of thing. Well, he was getting frustrated and he kind of set the stick down. He's like, I'm done. And I kind of walked up to the gate and I'm like, listen, you're in the fight right now. Like you can't, you can't quit. Yeah, you're gonna walk on it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, you're, you're, you're doing what you. I said, I know that you're a colonel, and you're used to everything happening for you. 
You know, I'm like, you're used to people moving out of your way, people to listen to you, people kind of catering to you in the military. I'm like, but out here to that horse, you're just a man. Yep. You're another, another horse in the herd. That's right. And so you can't demand respect. You got to earn respect from the horse. You got to earn that trust and that confidence. And, and he's like, okay, okay, cool. And, and so he went back out and he kind of got himself together and, and started really like being focused on the horse and not what everything going on around him. And so he got the horse to move a little bit and, you know, felt that confidence, you know, of leading again, which is why I use the round pin a lot is, is so when they get these horses to, to trot and canter, you know, in the round pin, they feel like, I mean, I'm leading this big old horse, like this horse, you know, they just get that sense of leadership again. Maybe they lost since they've been out. Yeah. That's what I kind of want to do and build that confidence. And anyway, he gets finished and he comes out and he was like, man, I, I really appreciate you not letting me get out. He goes, I think that's one of my biggest issues is um, nobody stands in my way. Like nobody forces me to, to, to keep going, you know? And he's like, you did that. And he's like, at first I was a little put off. And I told him, I'm like, brother, I'm out here for you. Like I'm out here, we're out here to work. Exactly. You know, we're out here to, to, to fix some stuff. So anyway, you know, that's just one of the stories, one of the things that, that happened that, and there's all kinds of things that happen, as you know, out there with horses and yeah, I want to touch on, so, yeah, go ahead. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground, but we had Jeremy Svitzer on the show, and, and you know Jeremy, we had him as a episode number one, and he runs Charlie Five out there in New Mexico, and he talked to a very similar point of assimilating with civilian life after getting out, and you had made mention that when you kind of came back to the civilian world, you lost your mission. Yes. Now, in trying to potentially help others who are who may be going through that same identification struggle right now. Where do you think some of the pitfalls came in you losing your mission? And where do you think you kind of overcame some of those, those pitfalls? Well, I, th- I, think, I think, number one, my faith wasn't where it needed to be. Um, I, asked, I asked everybody you know, around me what I should do except for God, which ultimately uh, leads to failure. Pride was a big thing. Like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm this, you know, sergeant in the greatest army in the world, and, and I lead men, and I do all these things. and, and uh, and, and now uh, I don't do anything. And, and what I didn't realize is there were a ton of other important things in my life to do, but I didn't view them. It was a perspective as being important. Right. Yeah. I didn't as, for the, for example, you know, having more time with my children. Um, I didn't look at that at the time as something to gain. I looked at that as, you know, I went from leading men to, to changing diapers all day. Yeah. I mean, that was the, and, and I, I don't think like that now, but you know, coming out of that and where my head was at that time, that's what I was. And I didn't see any glory in that. And the glory is pride. And, and I just had to really come to terms with the fact that, Hey, listen, you done, you done your job. You completed the mission. You served honorably. Now it's time to move on. Yeah. And I think, get to, I think get to work on the next one. Yeah. And I think, I think veterans sometimes as hard as it is, because you know, being in the military, you put so much dedication, determination in it that sometimes it consumes you, right? And so you have to be able to set that down and not forget it and not think it isn't worth anything, but also understand that that's just one chapter in your book, you know, and then it's time to move on to the other chapter and complete the next mission, which could be anything. It could, it could be, you know, working on marriage. It could be working on kids. It could be running your own business. It could be running your own, you know, nonprofit whatever it is. And, and that's, that's sort of what led me here is that I eventually was like, okay, I can either keep dwelling on the fact that I'm not serving anymore, but it doesn't change. 
it's not going to change. I can't go back. So I need to refocus and use the skills that I've learned through that to benefit others. And, And the closest thing I could come to serving was to serve vets after the military. Yeah, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge perspective. And we talked in a side conversation about how kind of service based personalities, right, tend to be very, very driven individuals. But Absolutely. in more times than not, we have a tendency to get in our own way, you know, because we're so consumed with success. And we get we kind of have the blinders put on when it comes to achieving a mission. And then when the mission has been achieved, or maybe our, our path has rerouted a little bit, uh, we have a hard time accepting those changes, such as all of your military goals and mission and career there. And then now you transition to quote unquote, changing diapers, you know, but you lead, <laughs> you leading those children are just as important as anybody that served underneath you in the army. Right. I'll tell you to, to be honest, to be honest, Jason, that's way more important. Exactly. But yeah, it's, it's a perspective way, change that a lot of people right. can't, they get hung up on. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've since learned through scripture that, that taking care of a family and raising a family and being a good husband, it's way more honorable. Be a good follower of God is way more honorable than anything I could have done in the military, you know? And, yeah. and, and, uh, I'll tell you, for me, it, it all comes down to faith. It all comes down to the perspective that, that, that the Bible gives us. And, and, um, you know, I moved past the whole, if I'm not a soldier, then I'm nothing mentality to, I was a soldier. I did good. I learned a lot. Now, how am I going to apply those skills to what I do next? Exactly. And I think that's the biggest point right there is that you learn a very, very, very talented skill set in how to conduct business. And that skill set is applicable to so many portions and so many facets of your life. Absolutely. And so, you know, the leadership portion, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lead my kids. I'm going to teach my kids determination. I'm going to teach them follow through. I'm going to teach them, you know, how to fight for what they want, you know, that sort of thing. I'm going to, I'm going to lead my wife in, in a way that, that I can, I can teach her what perseverance looks like and, and not to quit and all these great lessons, man, that we learn, that we live by in the military. And I, and I just separated, I just filtered all the negative out of it. I just decided I'm, I'm filtering all the negative out of it. Like, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to bring the negative part, the war part, the death part, those things. I'm not bringing those into the equation anymore. Yes, that happened. It's very traumatic, but it doesn't have to continue to eat at my soul. Exactly. You know, it's a part of you, but it doesn't identify you. Absolutely. If anything, I'm going to use it to let me know how, how sensitive life is and how, how our days are numbered in that way. And I'm going to try to make the best out of every day. I started going, you know, to these different programs and, and the, and the, the thing that I heard most from veterans is they're like, man, I don't necessarily miss what I did in the military, but I do miss the brotherhood. Exactly. So, so I'm like, I come back to Kentucky and I'm, I'm, I'm telling my wife and telling my buddies and I'm like, you know, there's no reason that we can't have each other's back now, even that we're out of service. So that that's part of what my organization does. It's like we have a, a closed Facebook group that's veteran only and we help each other from anything from moving to any kind of home repairs, jobs. I mean, like we just we just have each other's back like we all did when we were serving. You know what I mean? And it's just been a great network of veterans coming together and rekindling that camaraderie and uh, being there for each other. So now when a guy, when a guy I meet tells me, Jeremy, nobody understands me, man, nobody gets it. I feel like a foreign foreigner in this country sort of thing. I can say, no, man, look, there's 811 people in this Facebook group that talk every day that understands you. Yeah. Right. Pick one. And, and, that, 
Yeah, and that's very powerful when they think they have zero people, you know? And oh, so absolutely. They're like, what do you mean, like 800? Like, really? I'm like, yeah. Yes, man. And, and so I hook them up that way, and we network and get together and connect and share resources and all that kind of stuff. And I just didn't see any reason we couldn't continue to have each other six like that, you know? And so that's been one of the biggest parts of what we do. It's a uh, peer to peer stuff. Again, you know, like I tell you, when, when people, cause some of the academic folks like to ask me, Hey, do, do you have a psychology degree or anything? No, I don't, but I have real life experience and I can talk to these veterans in a way that they feel safe to share. And they, un- they know that I understand exactly what they're saying. You know, I've had and, that conversation so many times about this podcast right here. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and in thinking, how how can I get how can I get other people exposed to this? If I can get one soul to feel what I felt, right? What the horse did to turn my life. You know, I I consider myself successful. I consider this venture successful. But everybody leans so much credibility on academia, right? And degrees and right. And well, I have a doctorate and I have a PhD and and I have a master's and and multiple degrees. Well, the, I think the greatest part about this show is that everybody here has lived it, real life experience. And if you don't mean to tell me that don't make you an expert, you're sadly mistaken. Uh, I, I agree totally. And, you know, I just, I just want to clarify that I tell the guys, hey, listen, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to the VA and doing traditional therapy, but I just kind of want to be the middleman between the family and the VA because some guys, you know, they're like, I can't say certain things at the VA, you know? Exactly. I can't, I can't say, and I don't want to say, I don't want to expose my family to a lot of it. And that's what, that's what we do. And I'm like, that's what we're here for, man. You can come out here. There's nothing you can tell me where I'm going to judge you or think it's, you know, I'm going to make judgment based off your actions or any of that, or I'm going to, I'm not going to report that to anybody or any of that. We're just out here together. And I always tell them, you know, I'm not out here because I have it together. <laughs> I'm out here because I need you all just as much as you need me. I was going to say, me. it's a two-way and street. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm with the horse probably four or five days out of the week because I know that it's a maintenance thing. And, yeah. I, and I was just telling, I was just telling the guy the other day, I was like, you know, I don't know what my life would look like if I didn't deal with horses anymore. Like, I, I don't ever want to go back to that because no matter what kind of day you're having, you know, you go up there and, and you, sometimes I just go out into the pasture. And I sit on a bucket, man, and I just sit there and watch them. And I just think, think, and think. And I have some of my best ideas and some of my best personal therapy just sitting out there watching them in the field. I mean, it's just it's just amazing how that, that, that works. And I can't explain it scientifically, really. I just know that it works, and that's for, all that matters, right? It's, it's, good for the, <laughs> yeah, it's good for the soul. So. You know? and, and, and this is the hang-up with a lot of this, is that especially you know, law enforcement, military, and these, these very high-stress careers is that we train folks to suppress stress, stay focused on the mission or goal, and accomplish whatever task needs to be accomplished, right? That's right. Um, And then we relate a a lot of that to our life where there's things that stress us, there's things that bug us, there's things that we worry about, but we just keep suppressing it and keep suppressing it and keep suppressing it and on to the next mission and on to the next goal and on to the next task where, I mean, shoot, you going out and sitting out on a bucket in a pasture, you know, it allows you to reflect and kind of metabolize some of those stresses and pressures and, and whatever's bothering you in your life and, and you work it out of your system and, and you're good to go and on to the next one, you know? That's right. That's right. I, I call it a tune-up, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'll tell my wife, hey, I'm going out here to get a tune-up. It's just me and the horse today. We're just hanging out and, and um, 
you know, it's, 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 it's just, uh, it's a simple analogy. I mean, you think about it as a car, right? You get in a car and you drive it. Well, if you ain't ever stop and put fuel in it, eventually you're going to quit, right? That's right. And that car's going to come to rest and it, it ain't no different for the human being in any way, shape or form. That's right. You know, I, t- I tell guys who are struggling with, with PTSD a lot. I'm like, listen, your whole life is going to be a maintenance phase. Like I know you come out here and, and I'll allow guys to come out as many times as they want, but I'm like, you come out here and I know you get that feel good. And you leave on a high note, and that's the intention. But just understand that you can't quit right then. Yeah, the story ain't yeah. over there. Yeah, it's like preventive maintenance in the military when your vehicles, like you got in your weapons, it's like you have to continue to take care of that. You know, and that's what I try to tell them. It's not a one and done situation. You have to continuously stay involved in something that that helps you get past the things that that try to slow your life down. Exactly. You know? So, no, it's all good stuff. So let's let's uh, kind of recap a little bit. Yeah, man. So you run Veterans Club. That's the name of your, your program there. You founded it. You're currently the president. Tell yes. folks where they, can, where they can find you or learn more about you or the program. So there, there's a couple ways. They, they can email me uh, at louisville.veterans at gmail.com. They can, we have a, a public Facebook group, just, just Veterans Club, with the apostrophe. I'll tell everybody with the apostrophe because if, if not, there will be a ton of them that come up in different areas. Um, and uh, also, we have a closed uh, veterans group uh, page called Veterans Club Kentucky. That's where we have a network of over 800 folks. And we, we do a lot of our work, a lot of our, you know, having each other's back and taking care of one another in that forum. And that's where I, uh, you know, I'll post a lot of events that we have. We do a, uh, we do, aside from equine therapy, we do uh, monthly cookouts where a veteran will, will volunteer to host at their home. And we all bring a side in our families, you know, because I, I want to get the, the spouses and the children connected. I think that's a super important aspect of what we do. I think a lot of times the spouses don't get the uh, the recognition and, and the, that they deserve or and there's not a lot of programs. And I think it's starting to turn around now, but there wasn't a lot of programs for, for spouses and, and they have to kind of go through what we go through. They have to kind of deal with the repercussions of our thoughts. And I think sometimes times. it's harder on the family because... We as the individual, right, deployed or serving, whatever it may be, we have control of some of this stuff, right? Right. The family members don't. They have to just sit there and watch, and they can help best they can, but really their their control in it is is limited. Yeah, and and not only that, like we we at least understand what we're going through. Yeah. They're they're, they're on the outside looking in, like, how can I help? What can I do? I mean, they feel lost in that way because they want to help. They care about you, you know? Yeah. Uh, But – they they can't they can't quite understand it and to be to be honest I don't think I'd ever want my wife to understand it or my children uh, I kind of want to take that I took that so they don't have to sort of thing but the the other part of that on the on the backside of the spouses getting to know each other is because if there's a guy in the organization who's been in his basement but his wife wants to hang out with another veteran's wife or vice versa if it's female and a male. Um, Who's the only one going to be able to push the veteran out of the house? Yeah. You know, it's going to be the wife or it's going to be the husband. And so then that gets rid of the isolation component. And then it gives the ability for another veteran to talk to that veteran face to face. And usually there's some good, good stuff in that. And so I'm trying to keep, I'm trying, you know, the thing that we're doing with having multiple events and, 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 you know, we do, you know, hikes and recreational events and stuff like that is I want to give veterans the opportunity to do something and if if equine's not their thing or cookouts aren't their thing i just want to have options available to them to where 
they don't isolate because I know from experience that was my biggest deal was just isolating. And there's nothing good that comes from that. We're, you know, when, when we were created by God, he, he created a woman for us so we would not be alone. So, I mean, we're not good alone as, as tough as we like to be and, and say, oh, man, I'm fine. I don't need anybody. I, I, that's not true. Yeah, that's a huge lie to yourself. Yeah. So, uh, I just want them to do something. I want them to be connected. I want them to, 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 uh, to have those relationships. Um, that encouragement especially and so it's it's been really good man and it's it's obviously been a need because it's it's sort of blown up way out way more than I, I thought it would be to where I actually had have guys who help me run it now because you know I'm still got a I was wondering that six. when you were talking about it earlier you got 811 guys two ranches across two counties like that's a lot for one <laughs> man to endure man it, it is it is and uh and, uh, you know, I got a guy, Corey Boland, who, who, uh, is kind of my right-hand man. And he kind of takes care of things when I'm out traveling and helping other organizations or speaking or, or whatever it is that I have to do. He, he kind of, he kind of takes care of it and he does an excellent job in the process of trying to get, you know, some more guys involved. And, and the other side of that is I want to, again, give guys an opportunity to have a mission. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm saying, absolutely. Hey, hey, listen, you want to help do this like that? You know, and and if they want to do that, then they'll have plenty of things to do. I can assure you. And so, you know, that's the other. You know, I'm just trying to do everything I can uh, based off my experience to, you know, to present opportunities for guys to not be in that rabbit hole. You know, and uh, I think it's a great perspective. And I mean, I've talked with quite a few folks with similar stories. And what I like is that there's, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of veterans going through the same exact circumstances however every single one has a unique story right or a unique perspective and and we can learn from every single one of those perspectives in in a way to make the system better what i like about your focus and what you kind of emphasize is the camaraderie and the brotherhood you know because a lot of those those relationships are formed in fire right absolutely in the trauma of a firefighter combat or stress or whatever the situation is and this is not specific to to combat and military however that's where it's very prevalent when you're not in those environments, it's tough for kind of the alpha personalities to to develop relationships. So the cookouts, right, breaking bread together and, and the social gatherings, I mean, I think it's an awesome, awesome perspective. And it's an awesome idea. Yeah, and, you know, it's we, we usually have a, a, a big turnout. And, um, and, the, and the, the initial plan was to kind of limit what I'm doing to combat veterans. But then I got to thinking, man, I'm like, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to put, I didn't want to put up that wall mm-hmm. because whether you serve in combat or not, you serve. And there's, then there's other things in life that could have, you know, that could affected, you know, you at this stage. So for example, you know, we have some folks who may have had childhoods that weren't so good. I'm one of those guys, you know, I, I feel like I, I had that issue before I ever stepped foot in, in Iraq and, and uh, trying to navigate through that. And then we have, you know, rest for other reasons. Maybe it's because I've, I've had guys who are upset and angry and depressed because they didn't get an opportunity to deploy. And so I want to be able to help them. I want to be able to say, Hey, listen, no matter where you were, or what you were doing, you were part of the mission. You've done what you were supposed to do. You can't control where you go and who you go with and what units you're assigned for the most part, you know? And so you still had a, you still had a hand in what happened. You still had a hand in, in our victory, you know, so there's that. So. Yeah, and that might be it. I mean, that's a huge hurdle. I didn't even think about that perspective, right, of people who who wanted to deploy and didn't get the opportunity because 
everybody on some level wants to be the one running and gunning, right? Booting That's doors right. and blowing stuff up and, and getting after it. I tell people I equate it to baseball all the time. Sometimes you're the guy that's asked to, to step up and you got to drive a three-run homer, and sometimes you're the guy that has to stand in the batter's box and bunt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a good analysis. Right? Like but but yeah. nonetheless, it all plays a role in the success of the organization. Uh, but sometimes accepting those smaller roles is a tougher pill to swallow than actually getting after it. Yeah. And, and I mean, it happens frequently. Like, it happens more than, than most people think, you know, and so – that's why I didn't want to limit it. I didn't want to put any limit on it. I didn't want to put any kind of qualification on it. I think it. that's great. You know, I just, I just, if you're a veteran, you served honorably. That's all I care about. Let's, let's, let's know, get to know each other. Let's help each other, support each other, whatever it is, man. Like, I just want to, I just want them to have that outlet, that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's essentially, you know, and, and, you know, I talk a little bit about that when I go to other organizations and help them. You know, that's part of the, that's part of what I discuss when they ask me kind of my opinion on these things. And and that's why, like, when I go out and help Mighty Oaks, it's not just combat veterans. It's any veteran, you know. Yeah, I'm, glad, and, and I'm glad you interluded that. I mean, I wanted to, to get that Mighty Oaks program in if you have a chance, if you have a chance. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you don't mind, kind of introduce the program and and how it works and your role in it and, and its role in the bigger picture. Yeah, so Mighty Oaks is a, is a faith based program. It's called the the Legacy Program, and it's a six day intensive peer to peer program to help warriors discover the answers, the big questions in life. You know, the challenges that relate to military life, combat deployment, symptoms of post traumatic stress, and and how and what the Bible says about discipline and brotherhood and legacy and courage and honor and faith and all those things, and not just our own understanding. Because while they are similar, there 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 are a lot of differences at the same time, and so we just you know, it's a, it's it's highly effective in a way that we're in the Word seven in the morning up to close to seven eight o'clock at night. I mean, it's just uh, for six day. days. Oh yeah, man! Like uh, that that's the whole that's the whole meat and potatoes behind the operation, and and uh, it's been, they've been very good to me. And, and and my role in that is I'm going through the team leader process. I currently just uh, finished up phase one, which is the observation portion of what team leaders do. And how kind of like the behind the scenes uh, of the organization, kind of how it's ran and set up and the values and mission and those things. And so I'm preparing at the end of this month to go back uh, for another week in Ohio uh, as a phase two guy, which means I'll I'll teach one of the classes, whether it be discipline, brotherhood or or purity, uh, you know, any of those those important you know classes regarding our faith and, 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 that, and life in general. Uh, and then I'll also be. Um, heading up four or five breakout sessions and a breakout session is, you know, if we have an hour class, which that's usually the, the time for each class is an hour about brotherhood. We break out and I got a team of, of veterans there who are going through the program. And I ask them, you know, we, we get, we dig into what brotherhood means to them and, and any kind of issues they have regarding that and, and uh, talk about how scripture, you know, recommends we react to these things and, and not our own understanding, not what somebody told you or what you think or what you believe, and we separate thoughts from feelings in that way, and, and so that's interesting, right there. Yeah, so we just if if it if it's not in scripture, it doesn't exist in our in, in the way that we view you know faith. And so and it's real. It when I went through the program back in March, I went through the program back in March as a student, and I remember being very surprised at how every every part of life there's an answer in the Bible, you know, because. I don't know if you ever heard anybody say that, but you, you hear people sometimes go, man, there's no instruction manual to life. 
And I was one of those guys. Wrong. Thought, yeah, yeah. And I was one of those guys who said, you know, that's right. Yeah. No. But in reality, we, we have a, a, a manual for life. You know, it tells us about everything. You know, family, marriage, possessions, honor, character, all these things, leadership even, you know. And so we just we just try to, you know, teach them what God says about those things and, and lead them in a relationship with God uh, because we believe that it's the most important relationship you ever have in your life. And we believe that life is all about that. Like we live for God and we live to do, you know, we live to follow Christ. And so we just try to put that in these guys' minds and, and have them change their life into that direction. And it's, it's, I've seen some amazing things happen in a week and a week doesn't sound like a long time, but I'll tell you, I've, I've seen some total transformations and, and, and loss of pride and ego and, and admitting that they needed more Christ in their life, admitting that... I was going to say, as you, know you sit I mean? here and have this conversation, I think about, generally speaking, in my personal life, trying to find answers to stuff, and I would say that's a pitfall or deficit in my faith, is that I don't know the book well enough to go looking for the answers, right? I mean, it's overwhelming, the the size of that scripture, and I don't have a good enough work and knowledge right now to go go find those references, right, or that speak on leadership or whatever whatever the struggle or strife is it, you know, at that point in my life. So it's very much encouraging hearing this process and how they break it down and kind of clarify the waters, right? They, they, they kind of ease the process for you. They, they do. And, and, um, and we teach, we teach everything that we have in this manual, it's called the fight club and everything we have in the manual. Uh, there's a verse for every circumstance. They're really good about that. And when you go through the team leader process, like I'm currently doing a workbook called fundamentals of faith, uh, by John MacArthur, and uh, it, I have to learn where to find these things, and I have to learn, you know, the the direction of the Bible and where to seek these answers, and I have to know to be able to tell the guys because yeah. that, that's 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 a frequent occurrence. I mean, you know, a lot of people can't quote the Bible word for word, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm included mm-hmm. in that, and so it's a learning process, and so that's part of the process to be a team leader is is it's. Uh, it's a pretty intense course and, and some, some reading and some studying and, and some, some work you have to do to be able to lead. Obviously, that's why it's a great program is they just they just don't throw you out there and say, hey, figure it out. You know, you, you go through a, a very well-structured, organized uh, program. And so uh, what's what's good when the guys come out and they say that, you know, what the coolest thing is there's an app called Version. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm not. Yeah, there's an app called Version, and um, you can type in. Uh, anxiety, and it'll tell you everything, every scripture in the Bible regarding anxiety. Or you can type in, you know, um, marriage, and it'll tell you all about marriage. And so, I tell the guys, hey, if, if until you learn where to find these answers through the book, for right now, that's your cheat sheet. Type the, yeah, yeah, type that <laughs> in, you know, because I yeah. just want them to, I like them to personally uh, be in the Word. However, you got to do it. I mean, there's no discrimination on how you got to do it. If, if if you have to Google it, that's fine too. But we also want to teach how to find it in the Bible and where to look for it and to understand the Bible fully because, you know, God says, until you understand my word, you don't know me. We have to get to know the word. And so we get to know the Bible. And there was a guy out there with me. He was a, uh, he is a, a mentor in the program, uh, which sort of a theologian, sort of speak, uh, has, has a, a doctorate in biblical counseling and, uh, he, you know, because some I've heard a lot in my life where people are like, you know, it's hard to follow God because there's no audible voice, right? There's nobody like answering you. And and he 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 made the comment, and uh, he goes, you know what? If you want to hear God speak, read the Bible out loud. 
And I thought that was so powerful, man. Like when he said that. That is impressive. All you have to do is read it out loud. That's God's word. There's no, I mean, there's no secret. Yeah. Secret sauce to the method. You know? Yeah, so, it's right there. Yeah. So, so guys, you know, they come out there and, and, and they're dealing with a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of stuff. And, and what's, uh, what else is cool about uh, being a team leader at this program and Mighty Oaks is every team leader has been through the process, right? So you just don't go out on the street and get a guy who knows the Bible and let him be a part of what's going on. Like you have to go through the program yourself. Either yeah, there's credibility the to the system. Yeah. And so we like to do that to show the growth and how you can grow into that. You know, how you can come from someone who doesn't have as much understanding, but then, you know, work on that and dive in and then end up being someone who leads that. And so, you know, that, I'm sure that has to give, it, it did for me anyway, give a lot of hope. Absolutely. I felt, I, I felt intimidated, you know, going through there like, man, I don't think I know enough. Like, maybe I'm not as good a Christian as I thought, you know, And but by the time the week was over, I was so encouraged, had so many resources available. And, and there's a lot of aftercare components, you know, like we hook guys up with churches in their area. We do the research on the church and ensure that it's it's within the, the, the guidelines in which they teach out there. Mm-hmm. And they'll hook them up with a church in their area, biblical counselors. I mean, the aftercare situation is phenomenal. It's not like, OK, you're done for the week. Good luck. You yeah, thanks for coming. Here's your certificate. Yeah, and so that's what I love about it. It's just to follow through, just a, just a real brotherhood. And it love. touches back. I was just going to say it touches back to the brotherhood thing. Absolutely, no, so, that's great. Real excited about that, and I highly recommend that you know to anybody who's interested in that. And I even highly recommend it to those who don't know they're interested in it yet. Until, yeah, because <laughs> you don't know happens. what door it's going to open. Exactly. You know, and I've, I, as as you're describing the program and and coming through and you know starting as a student and growing to the point of being a leader. I'm thinking, man, what does that got to do for your confidence as a human being, right? To go from not knowing anything or not or knowing little right. to then being able to help others and, and open the doors of opportunity for other folks on, on that topic. It does, you know, and, and I tell you, since going through that, and especially like being a, being in the leadership process, I handle life differently. You know, I handle di- life differently. I don't get I don't get so tore up about things because I don't put the, the I don't put it in my hands anymore. You know, I, I I give it to God. He asks for it. He wants it. You know, he he wants our, our troubles and our burdens. He wants to fix it. And there's a lot of comfort in knowing that I don't have to be the one essentially to fix it all yeah. myself, right? That I have the backing of the higher, most high, who's going to see through, see that that it's it's worked out. You know, I mean, sure, there's things we have to do as individuals, like you know, to get things done. But just to have that extra. You know, it's like having that the best guy on the team, you know, on your team. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that, exactly. Yeah. That, that guy that, that's just automatic, that can do anything. That yeah, you walk a little stopped, taller right? when you suit up, right? Yeah, yeah, he's, he just can't be stopped. And so even when you fail, you know you didn't really fail because you know it's in his hands and there's a lot of comfort. And I, I feel like guys could, could could get a lot of comfort in that, you know? Absolutely. It's a, it's a huge perspective. I mean, one of my biggest things in, in my faith or my journey in faith is – one of the more prouder moments I had, and I tell folks, is when, when I realized, man, I was just a pawn in his game. I'm a piece in his puzzle. Now, absolutely, right. you are correct. There's work to be done, and I have to do my part. But, man, knowing he's on your side, knowing that he's driving, driving this ship is just, it's a good feeling. It's a really, really good feeling. And it, and it did ease things for me and, and a lot of worries and stress and pressures as far as what direction am I going to take my life. And even to this point, man, I had no aspirations of being a podcast host. None whatsoever. Right? right. 
but opportunities started to present themselves and doors started to open. And, and if you try to think about it from a logical standpoint in, in the human perspective, there wasn't no rhyme or reason to it. And it, and it was an opportunity I had to capitalize on. And he, here we are. Absolutely. And, and I think, like you said, you know, you, you welcome uh, talking about God and faith and all these things. And, and um, this may be the only opportunity, this forum, your podcast may be the only opportunity, opportunity any guy ever hears about God in his day-to-day life, right? And so that could be the whole rhyme or reason for it all, right? It's just, it's just for giving someone the opportunity to hear what God can do for you and as well as horses. I believe God and horses, I believe God and horses have a real, real tight relationship. Oh, I truly believe it in my heart. I think God has put the horse on earth to teach man how to better live their life. Straight up. That's that's right. And and we're, we're real similar in a lot of ways, you know, like, uh, there's been times where, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people will think, oh, well, military guys, they're predators in country, but not always. There's time we're also, we're also prey and, uh, we survive over there a lot of by our senses you know, by our intuition, by, by the, the environment around us, the sounds, the, 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 the movement, the people, right? And so that's how horses, you know, survive. They're always watching. They're always, you know, z- uh, zoned in on what's going on around them. That's their livelihood right there. Yeah, you know, no, you, their, look at it, that, you look at an environment and it's not what, it's what should, it's not what should be here. It's what isn't here, right? Yeah. What isn't right. here or what should be here that's not here. And so I feel like we have a lot of similarities. You know, we have a lot of similarities with horses. Everybody needs a service horse, if you ask me. No, I, I completely <laughs> agree. I, I couldn't imagine living another day on this earth without one. I'll tell you that. I mean, shoot, we've covered a lot of ground in the last hour or so. We do appreciate you sharing your story of service, and we thank you dearly for it. Uh, the Veterans Club, I think it's incredible that in about a year's time, right, you've gone from basically a napkin idea to, to over 800 guys and growing exponentially. Absolutely. I think this Mighty Oaks, Mighty Oaks program as well is a very, very powerful program. And we appreciate you as being a resource, you know, and reaching out and allowing folks to get a hold of you should they, should they see some help in, in your circumstances, your programs. And, and that's what it's all about here at the podcast is trying to grow a network of, of folks who are like-minded, who are willing to help. And there's a lot of great people in this industry. And there's, there's a lot of people wanting to get into the industry that might, might be lost a little bit. And we're trying to grow that exposure and to these programs that are that are impactful you know so again jerry we, we thank you very very dearly for for sharing your story and and making time for us is there any parting words that you would like to share with folks before we wrap up here you know i would just uh would tell guys you know or, or women to all veterans there's other missions that are just as important if not more important than the mission you had before and and don't let don't let the fact that you can't do that mission that you had in the service anymore as your end, your demise, because it's just the beginning of a new chapter. Find out what that chapter is. Pray about it. Be in the word. Do something. To, I'll tell you what, do something to help somebody, and it'll always make you feel better. There's nothing that makes you feel better more than giving. Investing Give in your others. time. Yeah. Exactly. Give your time. Give your, your effort. You know, I, I think that's a, a major, major uh, proponent in healing. Uh, is to be able to to know that you still have the ability to help others, and and that's what I would say. Just find find your new mission. Don't compare because comparisons are the devil. Don't compare the hey, I used to be an army ranger, and now I'm helping at a food bank. Because what you're doing at that food bank is right where you need to be, where you're at, and you're doing a great thing right there. So don't the comparison part is the hardest part for some of us uh, because it doesn't seem as 
for lack of a better word, it doesn't seem as sexy to yeah. work at a food bank yeah. than it does to beat down doors in Baghdad. But I tell you, it's it's equally, if not more important. And you're still serving. That word serving, uh, we're all, we all got servant hearts. That's why we do what we do. It's very selfless. We don't get rich in the military, right? And so it's got to be a little bit because we want to we wanna help. So go help. Look around your communities, find something that they have going on that they need volunteers for and plug into that. And I, and I can assure you, you'll get that you'll get that sense of accomplishment that you desire. Jeremy, it's incredible, man. Thanks for being a part of the Freedom Family. Thanks for all your resources, all your help, all your perspective, and God bless you. Absolutely. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.